What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today, we're going to do a repost of one we did uh, with Craig and I did with Mark Costas, and he actually was interviewing us for his podcast, which is The Dentalpreneur, which I'm sure we have a lot of cross listeners going on in the space. But regardless, it's we're going to repost it just in case you didn't hear because it was it's nice. And really, Mark um, kind of alluded to the fact that he loves how we he gets whenever he talks to us, we have difference of opinions. Um, a lot of times, Greg and I are, are aligned in what we're talking about, but also we are different because we have different practice models, right? Like Craig comes from more of the single location, um, multi-specialty, and I come from more of a different approach of multi-location, multidisciplinary, um, and I'm more fee-for-service, and he is more of a PPO hybrid situation. So Mark always gets 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 excited, kind of hearing the differences and the similarities that exist in just running a dental business and the same struggles and, and different struggles. Um, so we always enjoy talking to Mark. He's just, you know, full of energy. Obviously, he's the chops to talk about what he's talking about. I love that, that he's just a big voice in the space of dentistry because he's just a good human at the core of it. So anyway, that's all I got today. Have a good listen, and we'll see you next time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dentalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Costas, and today, I apologize for the fuzzy um, audio, if there is any fuzzy audio. We're doing this via Zoom because we have a three-way conversation going here, but uh, it should be good enough for you guys to decipher what's going on. Today, I have a couple really, really great friends, Dr. Craig Spodak and Dr. Peter Bolden from the Bulletproof Practice Podcast, and today, I wanted to get them on. They they are... um, multiple time visitors of the podcast and co-hosts of the podcast. Today, I wanted to have them on specifically to talk about their brand new book, The Bulletproof Practice. I got an advanced copy. I was stoked. Um, Peter Bolden signed the inside of it for me. I, said, I put that up on social media, and uh, it's been one of the highlights of, of uh, Q4 for me this year. So how are you gents doing today? Awesome, bro. Awesome. Really Great. good. Thank you. Nice. Thanks for having us on, buddy. Yeah, of course. Of course. This is very cool because we're doing the Zoom uh, kind of video thing. And I'm looking up at Craig right now. He's on in a short sleeves t-shirt on the balcony of something with palm trees in the background. Peter is sitting in his study, it looks like, with a lake in the background. And I am in the dungeon of my sound studio (laughs) here in Prescott, Arizona. And it is 28 degrees outside right now for me. So I don't know who's got the best deal going on. I didn't either. I'm up 6,500. Well, my house is 6,500 feet. I'm at 5,400 feet right now. So it snowed a couple days ago. So we're in full. Oh, full wow. Right here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, ain't, it, it does not feel like it looks for you, Craig. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's um, 79 degrees and balmy. And as you can see, Mark, not to just increase the jealousy factor. Oh, to, man. So. Yeah, that's a nice pool. That's a nice backyard you're showing me there, right there, buddy. I appreciate uh, it. Where, where are you located, Craig? Tell, tell I'm in Delray Beach, Florida. Delray Beach, Florida. And uh, yeah. Peter? 
Right now I'm up up in North Georgia, so it's actually really cold. But what you're looking at is I'm at my lake house. So I had to come up and do some stuff like winterization stuff. So you, okay. that that's what you're looking at right there. So I wouldn't be too jealous of the temperature. It's pretty cold here. Right I'm actually kind of warm, so I wouldn't mind a little cooler weather. <laughs> what, a, what a jerk. I'm not trying to say that to be to be a jerk. It's just actually kind of it's been warm here. It was 88 degrees yesterday. Ah, my goodness. My goodness. Well, I got, I got back from Costa Rica a couple weeks ago for went there for Ashley's wedding and it was a good 85 to 87 degrees. Perfect wow. temperature, 82 in the ocean, got some surfing in. Wow. So, uh, oh yeah, the waves are so good. Oh, so so awesome. So um, the reason that I like listening to you guys' podcast is because you guys have two very, very different practice realities. Peter, you are a multiple practice owner like I am, although your multiple practice um, empire is a little bit more fee-for-service and cosmetically based um, than mine is. Mine's a little bit more working class. We have some Medicare, Medicaid in my offices and PPO and some fee-for-service, but yours is a little bit more high-end than mine, but you are a solid multiple practice model. Craig, on the other hand, you are a multi-specialty, I guess I would call large practice um, with uh, multi-specialty in one location. So you have huge revenues, but you have your own um, challenges um, having a whole ton of staff and multiple <laughs> dental providers, many of them being um, specialists. So. Peter, a lot of times I feel like I feel your pain, but when I hear you guys on your podcast kind of talking about the different challenges that each of you have, it, it's, it's a very interesting dichotomy to be able to listen to. So let's start with you, Craig. Craig, tell us a little bit about um, how your, your mega practice evolved and uh, what it looks like um, physically and the number of providers and staff that you have there. Okay, so it was born out of a concept to basically replicate what I had in dental school. I loved having all the different people around, um, different specialists, and having a lab and stuff like that. So um, my idea of what dentistry uh, could be was really formed in the dental school days. Uh, I just like that camaraderie. I'm a people person, as Peter knows. He knows me well. So I love to be around people. And uh, just being in that you know, three or four chair practice that I have with my dad and maybe four or five uh, support team and no specialists. Just it wasn't it wasn't as exciting for me. So I had this dream to build a large, iconic physical space that would house all the specialists and GPs and um, a larger team, so that we could you know not have to refer patients out. And that's that's how it was born. And uh, I was fairly adamant about making sure that it was multi-specialty and not just. Um, having different disciplines of GPs, like GPs with wider scopes. So uh, I wanted to have specialists doing all the specialty care at that time. And that's how it came to be. And I, I met a, a, a friend who introduced me to this really great artist named Michael Singer. And Michael Singer built the building, designed the building for me. It's 13,000 square feet. Um, we've got 45, don't quote me on this because it's always changing, but I think 45 or 48 support team, 10 doctors, fully functional acrylic and ceramic labs, ceramic machines, iteros, cone beams, um, oral surgery, perio, prosto, GP, endo, um, all in one big box. Wow. Wow. Yeah. How many generalists in comparison to how many specialists? Uh, well, we're right now, we're six GPs. That includes myself. 
and then one prosto, one endo, one oral surgery, uh, one perio. But the models, you know, my, my idea of the models changed over time. I, I, um, I'm a little less adherent to the uh, um, all procedures must be provided by specialty, you know, mm -hmm. but it, it winds up, you know, when you have specialists working there, sometimes they're just so darn good at what they do that it dissuades the GPs from taking on certain things. Yeah. So, you know, when you have an endodontist there and he uses a microscope, it lifts your own standard up pretty high. If you can't, you know, we all watch each other's work. We all see what each other are doing. So there's yeah. some degree of uh, peer pressure in the, in, the, in the model. So there is um, a noted absence of an orthodontist on staff, and you are <coughs> one of the nation's top providers of Invisalign clear retainers in your office, is that an intentional absence of that type of specialty in your office? Yeah, so that's a good point. So what happened was, I was an early adopter of Invisalign. I was actually the first patient uh, treated in Florida. That was back in 1998. I think most of your listeners were in high school at that time or maybe before that. <laughs> could, um, be, could be. Yeah, Mark, you were probably in high school at that time. Uh, yeah, I was in high school um, going back to coach uh, junior varsity football at that point in my career but oh, uh, cool. I, gra I graduated in 1989 brother oh from high school yeah okay so wow you're a year older than me wow that's yeah. awesome check, check me out i know check you out is this, <laughs> yeah, is this you're, whoever, you're, whoever you're, wins loses you're you, you, uh, <laughs> you look much you look much younger than your age oh speaking of speaking of not to not to go down a rabbit hole which i'm very famous for doing but i just got a picture of my high school baseball field which got leveled by the southern california fires which oh, oh man just broke my heart because um i was uh not too long ago i was at my high school in agora hills california with my son we took a picture from the um from the high school baseball field where i used to play so it's like a really awesome picture of me and my son together at my old high school and i just got a picture from a buddy and my my um he took a picture of my baseball field while it was still on fire oh wow uh, a couple of weeks ago which is really That's pretty heartbreaking yeah my sister lives in thousand oaks and um i was in costa rica at the time and i saw on the news that there was the shooting 12 people killed at a country bar in thousand oaks california so first thing i did is i texted her at three o'clock in the morning her time and i was like you guys okay she says yeah but um my niece and nephew are 20 and 19 and they both live in thousand oaks that's a place that they frequent they happen to not be there that night three of their friends were shot dead in that shooting and the next day thousand oaks was on fire and they had to evacuate their home and that was the same fire where part of my my high school burned down which is uh heck of a rabbit hole i went down just because you mentioned high school there craig sorry about that <laughs> well I guess it gives good context for to be thankful and all things give thanks, you know, totally because it totally. could be much worse. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of those dentists out there that lost a lot of dentists that are listening that lost uh, personal property and unfortunately lives and stuff like that from those fires is pretty, pretty traumatic stuff. I, it was, it was really, really heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. Terrible, terrible stuff. Um, but let's, let's talk, let's, let's switch gears back again. Uh, sorry about, sorry about the, uh, the left turn there. But let, let's talk again about um, your Invisalign experience. So you were the very first yeah. Invisalign patient in the state of Florida, yeah, so, which is crazy. And 98 yeah, so, was the first. 
crazy. Yeah, yeah, that it was '98. We were early, I was an early adopter with it. I was treated by a friend of mine, Dr. Michelle Shems, um, who now practices up in Maine. But um, no one was a believer in Invisalign in my local area. So patients were asking about it because Invisalign did such a good job of going direct to consumer. Mm -hmm. And um, I couldn't really find anybody to treat it or treat it well. And back in 1998, it wasn't a really good product. Just with all due respect to Invisalign, it, was, uh, it wasn't as robust as it is today. So I started seeing some really good results with it in the early 2000s, but no one in my area was doing it, or I'd send patients for Invisalign and they'd wind up with braces or doing nothing at all um, because they didn't want to wear braces. So I said, listen, I might as well just do it myself. And I was a big Spear Study guy, Spear Study Club mm -hmm. and awesome. Seattle Study Club guy. So I understood my occlusion and got my feet wet in with it. And uh, there's a saying that I like, it's in, because uh, I fly planes as well. So I, I compare this to in getting your feet wet in a new specialty. When you start out in something, you have a full bag of luck and an empty bag of experience. And the goal <laughs> is to fill the bag of luck before the bag of experience or fill the bag of experience before the bag of luck runs out. Oh, I love um, that. So that's the so same good. in aviation, same in, in a specialty. You got to get yeah. experience. The only way to do it is, you know, volume. So uh, I was able to do a lot of Invisalign and never really got myself in an uncomfortable spot and then wound up just doing more than all the local orthodontists combined in this area. So that's how it started. And the patients are really happy and it makes me happy and it's an easy thing for me. And um, I've done, I think, 2,400 cases now or 2,500 cases. No kidding. Crazy. Yeah. No, no indirect bonding in your office at all, Craig? Um, meaning do... Uh, bands, and, bands and brackets, traditional ortho, none of that oh. in your office? No, no, not really. But I've done some pretty squirrely Invisalign cases. We've done some like canine exposures and stuff like that, but oh. all with clear aligners. I mean, obviously for those, I'll, I'll bond on a, a bracket or a you know, little button or something like that. But no, no traditional fixed arch wire orthodontics. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Peter, I promise I'm going to get to you, but I'm just, I, this is uh, the first no, time that uh, I've been able to talk to, to Craig about all this stuff. But, it's fine, bro. Uh, so, so Craig, um, a little bit deeper into your model, um, Peter and I have had this discussion many, many times, and it is, geez, to employ or not to employ, or to bring in-house or not to in bring in-house specialists. And uh, the, the hesitance is often what they expect in compensation. Right. Yeah. So if we are looking at, you know, the tr traditional, I mean, a great practice with overhead under 55% and we are compensating a general dentist between 27 and 33%, let's say of their, of their production. And, Sorry. And it's so <laughs> I'm so glad, Mark, I got to say, I'm so glad you're pressing him right now on this. And like, no, I, could be, I mean, it's, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Okay. And then, you know, your typical, um, depending on the location and the, the, the region of the United States, the typical uh, uh, specialist is going to want 40 to 50% in compensation for their production, as opposed to 27 to 33 for a generalist. Um, sometimes it could appear that profitability is tough. So if yeah. 40, I mean, I'm just going by, you know, six. No, and these them, I agree with these numbers, 100%. Okay, so if, if there's six GPs and four specialists here, and I'm not saying that, you know, the specialists are producing 40% of the revenue, but that could be that, that uh, 
that could be the case. Maybe they're producing the vast majority of the revenue for your practice. Um, how is the profitability um, it, because, of the, because of those factors? Well, I, I think that you have to, for me, I looked at having specialty or having a lab and it, I, I never looked at it as a straight profitability play because obviously it's not, mm -hmm. it's not. Is it profitable to have a lab on site to pay a technician, a good technician, you know, the, the type of money that he would require and not have the volume to make him into a profit center. But I, yeah. I believe that, um, and again, you don't want to base your entire business off of this, but there's certain things that are inherent. There's, there's certain segments of your business that may not be profitable, but they allow for other areas to become profitable. And, to answer your question very directly, how is the profit lower than it would be if we, than if we had all GPs? And my, my models moved or changed over time from, let's say, you know, historically it was full-time oral surgery, mm -hmm. you know, four or five days a week. Okay. So now it's just part-time. And the reason why it's part-time is I want to have the availability for my patients to have their oral surgical needs covered under my, under my roof because they expect that. And we want to, we want it done right. And we want it done in a, in a careful environment. And we want, we don't want them waiting and stuff like that. Uh, but we don't want it to be full-time either because to your point, if it represented 30 or 40% of our revenue, it just doesn't make much sense to do that. Mm -hmm. So I look at specialty in some ways, um, in some ways as a loss leader um, or as a, you know, a neutral profit, which fuels other segments which are profitable. But then again, you could also argue that if you have, let's say you have a, a prosthodontist who's an amazing producer mm -hmm. and he can command, because he's so darn good, he can command uh, a fee that's 70% higher than your GP could. Okay. So yeah. it's, and, and that happens. There are guys out there that are just really, really good at what they do and they've built reputations and they can command higher fees. So if they can command a higher fee, and they're paid 10 or 12 points or 15 points higher, you're making money. So mm -hmm. right. you know, that's, that's, I happen to have certain specialists in my office that are like that, that, that um, can charge a lot because they can perform, they can, they can demand that type of fee. Uh, and but even, I also- And even with the PPOs, the PPOs allow you to charge a, a higher fee schedule for specialists. So that offsets yeah. some of that. Well, none of my specialists are on PPOs. None okay, there you are. go. So they're all fee for so service. It's, it's hybrid PPO. So um, the GP may be on a PPO, but then refers up to, let's say, oral surgeon who's out of network. And then, you know, I always say that when you're in network, no one ever says, thank you for being a network. I really appreciate the 40%. <laughs> of the PPR. So no, I don't. Happen. I've never I mean, gotten a thank you for that. <laughs> right. But if you're out of network and you're like, look, you know, I charge a thousand for this, but your in-network fee is 700. And as a courtesy to Dr. Jones, who's in the practice and you, I'm going to charge you 700 as well. You'll get a thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but thank you has been my greatest, um, focus. And, uh, you know, when we, when, when Pete and I share our numbers and Pete and I have a very close friendship, we're always discussing our, our margins and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's time to focus on stuff like that. At the end of the day, you run a business and you have a, um, a direct responsibility to, to make sure that you're profitable. I think most dentists overlook that as a responsibility. Awesome stuff. Thank you for the candid answer there. Dr. Bolden. Yes, sir. We're going to talk about a different model now. And this is fascinating to me. I love being able to, to 
to go upstream to, to Craig because he's above me on the screen right now, like literally upstream versus downstream stream with you on the Zoom call to talk about a model that I'm much more familiar with and that's the multiple practice model. Um, believe me, uh, for all of your challenges, Craig, and uh, Pete and I, as you hear about all the time, we have our share of challenges as well. So if you're talking about 48 team members and 10 docs, I probably have that many or more. I, I haven't counted lately. I just had 45 people at my house for, for our Arizona offices because we had an all staff meeting, uh, including the doctors. So, so I, I feel you. We're dealing with the same number of people probably, uh, probably close for you as well, Peter, but just in different locations. So um, you sometimes it sounds like... It has yeah. strengths and uh, weaknesses. It's exactly. So Peter and I look at you often and we're like, dude, you have potentially one-tenth the overhead because you have one facility, but you would say that's not necessarily true. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, my, my revenue is split out over several different locations, as is yours, Peter. So, so tell us about your model. How many practices do you have now? Um, and how many total, uh, like, clinical chairs does that, does that equal? In your in your empire there in uh, Georgia, so still have four practices. Okay, um, and so total number of chairs six six would be eighteen uh, thirty thirty five. I'm wow. building I'm building a twelve operatory practice right now, Mark. That should be done in July, so that'll bring it to five. I'm building it from scratch, like literally ground up construction. Um, and that will probably, obviously, so that'll bring it to, you know, close to 50 chairs. 50 chairs. Um, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say, uh, yeah, 30, yeah, close to 50. So, um, but you're right. So I have three PPO practices and one, I'm sorry, uh, uh, sorry, scratch Yeah, that. it's like looking three, at you like, what the hell? Three, three, fee for, three fee for service practice and one PPO. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And what, what is the total number of employees that you have? Um, I bet you it's probably, you know, I don't have exact, I think it's about 34 maybe right now. Okay. And how many docs? Uh, nine. Any specialists? No. And how much super, super GP work is happening in your, in your group? A lot. A, a lot. lot, a lot. Craig, so we got Craig's people been placing, witness to us. We, we, yeah, we got yeah. people placing implants. We got people doing ortho. We got people guided surgery, guided everything. surgery, endo, all that good stuff. Yes, sir. Yeah. So that's when Craig, you go, dang. You got general dentists that are getting thirty to thirty-five. I'm assuming. Yeah. Versus specialty fees, but um, again, you're a fee-for-service practice, so your doctors are doing great. Right, if they're producing, correct, yeah, it's thirty. What your yeah. numbers are, and they're getting thirty-five percent of that. When you when you factor in your overhead, that's a win-win-win all the way around. Win for the patient, win for you, yep. uh, win for the associate, and nobody is get, getting exploited. Um, seems like a great model to me. Yeah, and you know, Mark, I have to say, I got I got pretty blessed in the fact that that, that some of the guys that I have doing the surgeries, um, they've all known each other prior to. Uh, they come from training from the, the surgical programs at the local dental school here. And they're just like, they're just studs. Honestly, I have no other way to yeah. say it. They're just, they're just thoroughbred thoroughbreds. They're just kicking ass. And so 
I just kind of get out of the way. And, and really my job at this point is generating, um, you know, marketing and storyteller marketing to get their, get people in the chair to keep them busy because they love what they do. Um, but some of the stuff they're doing, I mean, they hang out with oral surgeons, they hang out with the specialists in their study clubs and stuff like that. So, you know, that's been my model and Craig and I talk about the pros and the cons, just like, just like you've kind of alluded to today. Um, cause our models are quite different. And, um, and sometimes I think we, we both think that the grass is greener, you know, um, there's been times on record where I've said, you know, I, I think, I think history is going to prove you correct, Craig. And I say that to Craig, I think that history will prove you correct in terms of being a dental hospital model mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus, versus smaller satellite offices scattered. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. And, and that's kind of the model that I'm going on. There's more distribution. I'm going for more distribution than consolidation. And it's just hard to, it's hard to think. So I think that sometimes you always question your methodology, right? Like whatever track you're going on, you look over and you see someone's doing it a little bit different and they're succeeding and you're like, shit, am I doing it? Like, is this the path? <laughs> but, yeah. but like I've always told you in your podcast, like one of my plays is one of my passions is really real estate. And so mm -hmm. the way for me to, so it, the multi, the multi-location practice allowed me to incorporate one of my loves, which is real estate. And then mm -hmm. it allowed me to place long-term leases in each one of those, you know, that's backed up by my own dental practice. So to me, I really felt, I really liked that. And yeah. I've made that work. Yeah. We've all heard that McDonald's is in the real estate business, not right. in the burger business, right? right. Um, that's, that's almost cliche at this point. But that being said, all of my real estate probably doesn't add up to what Craig's practice is worth, the building, right? Like, so again, you look at like, okay, maybe I have diversification because they're all in different areas, but you know, as an aggregate, maybe it's worth, maybe it's not as good as having just one monster, you know? So again, I, I don't think there's one correct path. And, and I, you know, I really admire what Craig has done because I don't, I think there's a, I think there's a, a select few dentists who could have put their cojones out there like he did um, and done that. Thank you. Yeah. That's why, that's why, it's so, <laughs> that's why it's so neat to talk to you guys at one time. I mean, I love speaking to you separately, but just to be able to get the, the two sides just so quickly, boom, boom, boom is fun for me. I mean, this is just, this is, this is a great, great conversation. So I'm going to continue down this theme and ask you now, Peter, um, what's your vision? What is your short, say three to five year vision? And then when, when will you be done? Um, people ask me this all the time and they ask if they ask me, if my wife asks me this, this, um, this whole notion that doesn't even, it doesn't even compute for the entrepreneur, right? Is like, when is enough enough? Like, it's like, that's not what it's all about. It's about the journey, man. It's not about trying to get to some milestone in my head or some nine figure payday, um, before it's quote unquote enough. Right. right. I, I love the journey and I wouldn't do this if I didn't, if I wasn't super passionate and I didn't love it, but what is your vision for where you want to be in the next three to five? And then at the end of your career, when you're ready to, 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 uh, walk away from dentistry. Uh, so I'm going to answer the latter half of that. You know, I've had, I've had periods where it's looked like I haven't had much to do. And I really hated that. I think you and I talked about that on the balcony in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And to me, it really is. It's all about fulfillment. It's not about getting to a monetary monetary goal or per se like it's just that's not that's not what drives me i mean i'd be ignorant to say i don't track it and 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 uh track it on a daily but that's not it's really more of the scorecard and so for me i like to be busy mark 
period. I like to be busy. I like to feel like I'm making an impact. I like to fake that I'm leading well. I like to be challenging. I like to be learning. And if I'm not in, a, in an environment, meaning you know, a business owner or a practice owner, then I don't feel like it, the context would be off a little bit for me. So I, I see myself, so I'm going to answer the first part of your question. What's my three-year vision? I'm actually going to keep going as, as, as much as I can, meaning that you know, not, I'm not going to be belligerent with my expansion and just kind of like do what some people have done and just get as much capital as they can and expand as fast as they can. I want to do it in a controlled rate where I know that the quality of care is delivered the same way. I know that my branding is, is delivered consistently. You know, if there's a good real estate opportunity or a good demographic study that pops up, I can go into that environment. But I'm, I, I will keep expanding as long as, as long as I feel like my team is solid, my culture is solid, and then I'm, and then I'm making practical decisions about, about why, right? It isn't just because I'm in a frenzy to, to get more and more and more. Like, right. what is my why? Why am I doing this? And if I'm doing it because I really think it'll serve the people of that community or serve like my city needs it or the, you know, whatever, then I will keep going. But, but, and I won't know until I, until I get there, but you know, um, but ultimately Mark, let's be honest, like one day there has to be a buyer, right? Mm -hmm. And whether that buyer becomes all of my doctors that are in my ecosystem, fine, great. Or does that buyer become, a, you know, a private equity? I don't know. I would, I would tell you, I would prefer to sell fragmented uh, or fragmented limited partnerships to my doctors as, as we expand and get bigger and bigger, because I think it's a band of brothers or the band of brothers and sisters that that will accelerate the trajectory of, of the, of the, the organization. So that would be my preference. I'm not sure that everyone wants to do that, but so, but it's good to have options, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so I do, I, you know, I I have a 20% partner right now. He's amazing. He compliments me. He does all surgical. I do more cosmetic. But he's just, you know, he's just, he's just a bad, he's just a bad dude, uh, a bad, ass, not bad dude. I guess I was trying to say badass without cussing, cussing again, but it's fun. Um, bad, you know? butt. bad butt. He's a bad butt. Um, so, you know, it's just for me, Mark, I guess, I guess I'll just reiterate, you know, I'll close it just saying that, you know, I'm going to keep, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm feeling fulfilled and I'm going to keep doing this as long as I still feel those sentiments. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Isn't that so true, though? Like, Craig has already spoken about having his kind of his model has changed, his philosophy has changed a bit. Your model and, and philosophy has changed a bit, too. Um, my model and philosophy has changed. I mean, it changes literally year to year. Like, I've gone, I've gone all the way up to 14 practices, down to two, back up to eight, down to six, up to 10, down to seven. Um, and it's, it, it's like the, not only does the philosophy change, but my motivations change and my overall vision change changes. But right now it does not sound awesome at all to me to involve myself with private equity at all. Um, no, like to no. sell to them or to, isn't that funny? Kids. That's kind of a pivot though, Mark, from where you were talking yeah. a couple of years ago and all of That's us, right. quite honestly. And, and, yeah. you know, I had a pre- private, ec- another private equity offer this year and just said, no, thanks. Craig had one, you know, you know, they're beating around his door. And I think, but yet years ago, I remember all of us sitting around, I forget we, we were speaking, maybe it was about even just last year, we were all speaking at that, um, dental excellence conference or whatever it was. Oh, in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. we were in Orlando. Yeah. And we were kind of like, oh, cool. You know, like it was still private equity, private equity, right? And now it's kind of like, eh, you know, I kind of see what you guys have done to some of these practices. Like, I don't really want to do, I don't, I don't really want to partake in that, you know? And I got to be honest, like that conversation in Orlando with you and Craig, 
changed the way I was looking at things. You know, mm -hmm. it was a land grab and it was a capital grab for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was hot to trot. I was looking for it. And then once I got a couple of offers, I was like, man, that doesn't sound so super awesome. And I also, I went pretty far down the road with some of these private equity companies. And I was like, man, I just feel yucky about this. It makes mm -hmm. my stomach hurt to think about well, handing over part of my legacy to a bunch of bankers. Craig. Well, well, I'm jumping out of my seat right now because <laughs> let's face it, it's not just the reason why you feel yucky is because you're trading principle for dollars. Mm. And if there was an iconic DSO that ran it in such a way that you'd be proud and that not only would take your legacy, but make it even better, you wouldn't feel so yucky. The problem is, is that, and let's not just talk about dentistry, but let's, let's go up a layer or two and take a 30,000 foot view of PE in general. Mm -hmm. PE doesn't usually make things better. Regardless of the industry, forget about just dentistry. If you own like a, you know, it doesn't matter. It, they, they claim that they have this massive back office support and their know-how, but, but most sales right now are an act of resignation. It's like the doctor's frustrated. He has seven or 10 or 15 locations. He's, like, he's pulling the effort card and he, mm -hmm. he's, it's an act of resignation. There's no one saying, I'm going to join with you in the hopes to make the entire organization, the profession better. That does, does, there's nothing out there right now that says that. So no. it's, it's an act of resignation. It's, it's push your chips in and cash out, walk off the table versus like, I'm going to pony my chips in with you and together we're going to make this thing amazing. And that's what, when you ask Peter what fires him up, that's what fires me up because I believe there's space in our industry that, to have that, that, that we could actually save our profession. And left alone, I, I see the writing on the wall that PE is actually hurting our profession. I think too, Mark, to jump in, I think we have enough runway now that we've seen some of our colleagues who have taken the quote unquote liquidity event or an exit when they were promised, you know, oh, you got this valuation, but yet they only got, they, they only saw half of that valuation or 75% because the rest of it was earmarked money or holdback or whatever. And so this, this romantic vision that we would have like, oh, 200%, you know, top line revenue would be the liquidity, you know, the, the purchase price of your practice, we're saying that that's not happening, right? Because it's not a sustainable model. And so yeah. just like Craig is saying, the consolidation that's happening in the private equity space, it, it's, you know, and that hope that this, oh, we're going to centralize this and we're going to do this. And, you know, they run into the whole host of problems that, like Craig said, there's actually a contraction of profitability there. They run into a massive problem of actually- There's an expansion of value. So, so look, let's just rewind just for one second. All you have to do right now is aggregate practices. And just by the aggregation, never mind making it more profitable or driving same store sales growth or anything like that. If you aggregate, you're winning. So you take 100 $1 million practices, which might have been all bought for four and five EBITDA or six EBITDA. Suddenly, that 100 practice six portfolio EBITDA. of one million, I'm sorry? Six EBITDA. They're not getting bought for That's way too okay. high. So three to four. four Thank three you. Four. Yeah. Thank you. Whatever at this point. <laughs> So three to four EBITDA, now you have this conglomerate of 100, $1 million geographically disparate practices. And suddenly that asset is worth now such an amazing multiple. By what virtue? The only virtue is expansion. It's, it's just an aggregation. So mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I feel like that, that's putting a lot of pressure into dentistry. It's putting a lot of pressure onto the dentist. It's putting a lot of pressure into the profession. And I, I don't think it's all good. I don't think it's a good thing per se at this point. So I've heard um, from a couple of friends that they were offered 
X number of dollars, 60% upfront in cash, 20% mandatory reinvestment um, into the DSO, 20% um, withheld Hold, based, back. On, yeah. Yeah, based, on, based on performance. Um, so that's 60% of guaranteed money. So guess what that is? That's a 60%. three X. <laughs> that's a yeah, three, three times EBITDA, right? So exactly. all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, that, that's, that's what I could have gotten without, so, without private equity. Here's what's well, funny is three times EBITDA. If you're making more than four or 5% net on your pro on your practice, <laughs> don't sell it. You don't sell it for three X, three times EBITDA. Yeah. Anyway, um, dude, I mean, I could go on and on forever. This is just the most fascinating topic for me. So I love talking to you guys, but we got an hour. So Craig, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Peter, and that is, what's your vision for three to five? And what do you want your, your, your collective um, work in this field to look like at the end of your career? What's your legacy? Well, if you had asked me a year ago, I, I, I'm not sure I know, or I would have given you a different answer. So it's changed. Um, so one thing I've learned about myself is I needed to be excited about something. I'm, I'm happiest when I'm working, like Peter, I'm happiest when I'm working towards something. And the last 10 years of my life have been working towards so many different things. I, I got a chance to develop a building and develop a concept and learn so much in leadership and get my butt kicked. And, 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 and that shaped me in so many positive ways as well, even though I didn't really like the process. But now I look about, you know, because I'm a third generation dentist, I always feel like my goal, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, is to revolutionize the profession. And I've always said that. I've always, it's like it was on one of my first, you know, vision exercises I did back in 2008. And revolutionize the profession to me seven years ago or eight years ago meant to build this big dental hospital. Now um, building two or three or four more of them doesn't really excite me at the same level. Mm -hmm. But helping dentistry as a whole in the context of how do we keep it for the dentist, by the dentist, and, and do what's right for patients, that gets me really, really excited. So when, I talk, when we talk about like saving the profession versus revolutionizing it, but saving it now, because I really feel it's under attack. I feel like dentistry is under attack. And I'm not saying corporate's bad. I don't want to say that because corporate is oftentimes doing it a lot better than the average colleague that we have. They do it a lot better. Mm -hmm. You know, I would probably rather go to the average corporate office for my care than the average dental office. So there, we've got true. a lot to learn from them, you know, at the average, not any of our practices are probably your listeners because they're, they're hungry for learning. People that are listening to this podcast, they're different, they're a different uh, breed. But most mm -hmm. dentists stop their learning as soon as they left dental school. So I, I do believe that dentistry can be saved <laughs> and I want to play a massive part in that. Um, for selfish reasons, because I, I want a better mousetrap for myself and anything that I would want for myself, I want everybody else to have access to it too. Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true to form, unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast. We talk about our victories and our bruises, and it's 132 pages of vision, leadership, marketing, and even just life as a dentist. And it's meant to entertain you. So we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on Amazon today. Thanks, friends. All right. So not so subtle segue into the reason I wanted you guys on this podcast in the first place 
and that was to talk about your mutual labor of love. And that is the one thing that you guys, aside from the podcast, have recently done together. And that's the Bulletproof Practice book. Um, blood, Sweat, and Tears goes into writing a book, fellas. I, I've been there. Oh, my God. Self-published book. Holy crap, Bola. Um, it takes years off your life, I believe. So, <laughs> so my hat's off to you for actually completing the project, for getting it done, for getting it out into the world and getting that monkey off your back. Because once you, when you decide that you're going to write a book, it sounds like a great idea. Right. And then you get about a quarter of the way in it, and you're like, ooh, just, I'm starting to lose a little steam here. You get 70% of the way through, and you're like, screw this. This is not worth whatever benefit yeah. is going to be on the other side of writing this book. And then you finish it, and you're like, hallelujah, thank God. Um, so, so tell me about why you guys decided to write a book in the first place, and tell, us, tell the audience about the book and why we should no, write it. That was a funny conversation, Pete. <laughs> first call, the first call that we had yeah. when the guy's like, why do you want to do this? Yeah. So Mark, we had some help with a writer, essentially. Um, a ghostwriting service. Yeah. We weren't, we weren't going to be the ones who were going to write where anyone, anyone would want to read it. My writing style <laughs> is literally, I don't know if I even passed that class in, in, in grammar school or high school or whatever, but okay. it would have been horrible. Book writing? I don't think that was in there. It would have been horrible. <laughs> So it's funny, we, 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 were, we were tied up with the service and kind of going through the interview and the guy was kind of vetting, you know, well, what do you want to do? And what's it going to look like? Okay, at the end, what's the sales pitch? And like, what are we, what's the hook? What's the ringer? No, what are you are, selling, he said. What are you selling? What are, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you guys selling? I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, what is, what is this book? I mean, because everybody writes a book to sell something. I was like, oh, no, no, <laughs> we're not selling anything. And it just floored him. Remember that, Pete? Yeah. He kept going back and he's like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, what, what is this the lead gen for? What's the, what's this, what's this generating for you? And we were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't write this. We, you know, <laughs> like, we just want to give back to the profession. He's like, and it was a long pause. And I remember him like, are you still there? He's like, yeah, uh, okay. That, that, that's cool. Like, he's like, we're going to spend all this money publishing a book. And I joke around if we sold like, a copy to every dentist on the planet, we'd probably recoup our costs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not oh, actually. With Amazon fees, I God, God. Amazon. But, uh, but really, Mark, it, back. Was, it really, it really was. And I think it was, I think it was to give back. And of course there's a little bit of an ego aspect in there as well. You love to see, yeah. you know, one of my dreams as a kid, you know, being, I like to read books was like, you know, I want to be an author one day. And so it checked the box for both of us, I think. And it was a nice collaboration because I wouldn't have done it by myself. It also was a chance for me to just offer different points of views. Like you, like you've indicated on this podcast, Craig and I, you know, we have similar points of views, but we also differ in certain aspects. So it gives a, a voice of both of us in the, in the book. Um, it did take a long time. I thought we'd bang it out in, in 10 weeks which was the, what they promised. And it ended up taking more than 10 plus months um and a lot more time and everything but at the end of the day it was you know do i regret it absolutely not you know like craig said will we ever make money from it nope nope not not one bit um but i think it's cool because because i i'm proud uh, of the content um and i i think you know you mentioned kind of a legacy thing you know one day my, my, even my kids are looking back they're like you know look look how cool this was that you know dad did this kind of thing i think these are the weird things that i think about which which i'm happy to have done and if it helps out literally i know it sounds like a cliche but if it helps out a handful of dentists that are just feeling frustrated or smothered or you know hope, hopeless in you know in, in this in this confusing kind of times in dentistry if it helped out a handful then you know what it's worth it 
Yeah. yeah, that's the same thing I always say. I, I couldn't agree with your comments more. I mean, obviously the ego component, but at the end of the day, uh, if you help somebody along the way, that's huge. Uh, Simon Sinek has this great quote that I love. He says, be the leader you wish you had. And there, when Pete and I, and even you, Mark, when we were coming to the ranks, we, we didn't have anything. There was no resources. There was no podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, if we could help someone along the path, that that's just huge. And I love seeing people kick ass. I love you know, meeting someone that saw me speak five, seven years ago or whatever and say, because of that, I did this, or, you know, it all comes back to you in, in some way. And, um, uh, I, um, I, I love that stuff, you know? So, yeah, totally. You know, it's funny as I was listening to Gary V the other day and a lot of his messages kind of repetitive, but he did have something really cool. Somebody asked him why you do this. Why do you produce so many, um, you know, uh, videos for, for YouTube, why do you why do you put out seven days a week for a podcast? He goes very simple. He goes, I am speaking to my great great grandson right now. Mm-hmm. He's like, how are you doing, great great grandson? Right now, they're listening to what I have to say, and there is an actual archive of my life and my thoughts when I was his age, right? Mm-hmm. So we're actually speaking to our great great grandkids. You guys are speaking to your great great grandkids in the book that you read because you're going to be long gone. And there's going to be evidence that we actually walked the earth besides a couple snapshots that people have in an old, um, in an old yellowing um, photo album, right? So the fact that you guys have actually put your thoughts on paper with no other motivation other than to make our profession uh, a little bit better is, is very, very commendable. So I thank you guys both for thank that. You. I totally thank get you. it. I totally, totally get it. So, um, and, and keeping with that, Bill Mark, too, there's, there's two other things that I look at, like with that, and I think this is good for us to share. Your Facebook page is that as well. So a lot of times I'll, I'll use my Facebook as somewhat of a digital diary if I have an inspiring thought or something like that. Or if there's, a, there's a digital diary for your kids to see as well uh, of what you're, um, what you're going through at a certain time. So I always look at that. And the other thing uh, that's kind of cool is I created email addresses for my two children when they're born, just Gmail addresses, and I periodically write them emails. And uh, when they get old enough, I'll tell them the password if I can still remember it. But just telling them how I feel and how I think and what's going on. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And that's a good I idea. That wasn't my idea, but I'm just giving it to you. <laughs> yeah, whose idea was that? <laughs> um, there is one more I actually thing. I have no science. idea. <laughs> Dude, are you serious? All right. Anyway. I have no idea. I learned, it a, I learned a long time ago. I had no idea. It's definitely not mine, though. Um, there is, uh, another thing that, I mean, there's no need to share it other than it's just a common thread that we all share aside from being published and having our own podcasts and being multiple, multiple provider, um, employers of multiple dental providers, which, which kind of gives us lots of, of things to talk about when we get around it with, with a few cocktails and damn, can we get going once we're all together? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but let's talk just for a second about our mutual friend, Tom Zagainer, and uh, the fact that we are all privileged enough to sit on the, the board of ambassadors for America's Best 401k. I saw a picture of you the other day, uh, Craig, with Tony Robbins. Um, you are actually his dentist, so that was pretty cool to see you guys together. And, and then you re- reposted that, um, uh, Peter, because uh, uh, Tony was ha- holding uh, a copy of your book, The Bulletproof right. Dental Practice. So uh, not much better of an endorsement than that, but uh, we, we are privileged enough to sit on this board together uh, for this company that I believe uh, really is doing our profession a lot of good, and that's America's Best 401k. 
So not intended to be a commercial. This is just, just totally uh, something that we all share. Um, Peter and Craig, I think that you guys introduced me to Tom in the first place. So I have yeah. to thank you for bringing me into the Tony Robbins sphere. So thank you very much for that. So what do you guys think about, what do you guys think about, you know, the traditional financial uh, retirement model versus what these guys are doing over here? Um, well, you know, honestly, we vetted them pretty hard in terms of like looking at the business model. And what we found was that, you know, when I looked at my, just my, my 401k, right. And we really unpacked all the fees and all that stuff. It was just, it was really just crazy, Mark, the abuse that goes on in dentistry and 401ks. So when they came along and they offered a plan in a very transparent way, they were very transparent about their fees and like, what, here's what we're going to make. Uh, you know, I think dentists get hosed. We get hosed on things like 401ks. We get hosed on whole life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. And I will be the victim. I will say that I, I fell on, um, I fell on the, both of those. And I had to extract myself out of a bad 401k that was abusive in fees and, and massive, massive 401k whole life policies because mm -hmm. I was sold a bill of goods, right? Because I, was yeah, split, I wanted to trust the salesperson that I liked that came into my office that brought me donuts or whatever it was, my team. And, and I just, well, I was too busy drilling. And so I was like, whatever, whatever, let me just sign. Cool, cool. I trust you. Gone. And bad things happen when you do that. Um, well, sometimes, how, most times. Look at how upset we get when patients ask us questions, like bargain with us or don't trust us. We are offended. Like, Mr. Yeah. Jones, you need a crown, you have decay. Well, what do you mean I need a crown? I need a second opinion. We're, we stand, we come from a place of like, we're taking the nervous care of patients. Mm -hmm. So we just assume that everybody operates by our rules and they don't. Right. Yeah. So yeah. when, when, when AB 401k, America's best 401k came along and it really, you know, really tried to poke holes in it. I really did because I didn't want to pivot number one, but really it was night and day. And I think they, they were, were cognizant of the abuse that was going on in dentistry. And I think they're, they're being fair. And so just like you said, in the first of our call, Mark, everyone has to win in a scenario, right? The company that everyone has to win. And in my previous arrangements, I was not winning. Right. Yeah. Um, and so with, with, with them, they're just, they're just fair and honest. And, and I really, I really dig them. So yeah, I'm honored to be on the board. It's funny because, um, you know, I have a great friend somebody that I, that I trust very, very much that wasn't attempting to take advantage of me. She just had her standard fees that her company charged and mm -hmm. she was helping me to try to get the best returns and the mutual funds that she was putting us into. And, and I just had, I, I played her, you know, a podcast where I interviewed Tom and I, where I, where I interviewed, um, uh, a couple other people that were talking about excessive fees in 401ks. And she's like, I don't really have much to say about that other than this is our model and this is how much they charge. And, and, you know, you got to pay the people that are managing your accounts. And, and with all due respect, I, I had to leave her with all due respect. Our, our membership is still totally intact. It is all good. And she's like, Hey, it's all good. This is no, this has nothing to do with our friendship. Thank God she was cool like that. But this is somebody that goes back with me literally like, 25 years like i've known her forever and the amount of of um loyalty that we show people that bring us donuts and that we've known for two years and have we've we've golfed with a couple times and the amount of of responsibility that we hand over to them and the amount of of a premium that we're willing to give them it's unrivaled because in the of this world this, yeah. this, this place loyalty is crazy it's crazy, crazy. It's, it's, like it's, i would, look at our, our rules i mean we deal with patients uh, we deal with people who are patients for 20 years so right we just, that's that's what we're used to like lawyers are always looking for what could go wrong 
we're always looking for preservation and loyalty of relationships and, and we get preyed upon. And, and to, to her defense though, your friend, she's doing what's called the suitability standard. That's the legal body that regulates what she can charge and what she does. So right. the suitability standard says, as long as you're not screwing people over more than the average person, that's suitable. Yeah, yeah. And if you and work for UBS or Merrill Lynch or one of those companies, that's what you sell. And she doesn't believe she's doing anything bad for you. Exactly right. Exactly right. From her perspective and from, uh, from her company's perspective, it's, it's, it's a fair margin, right? Yeah. From our perspective, there's a lot of alternatives that we don't even know about. So that's what I like so much about, um, you know, having options out there. Once again, not intended to be a commercial, but uh, fun that that's another thing that we all share together. But it does fit into what we were talking about, like, you know, doing good in, in dentistry. You know, the book was an altruism. You know, Craig's legacy would like to be helping others. And so I think it fits, Mark. I don't think it's that big of a, of a, of a segue into AB401K. That's a big aspect. That's a big part of our master plan is, is our retirement plan, right? So I think it serves the industry for them to br bring awareness to that, you know, to be like, at least just let them discover the dang fees. Like, even if you're not going to pivot, just, just, just know, just be aware, pull your head out of the sand. Like I should have done 10 years ago, pull your head out of the sand and look around and be like, let me, let me actually uncover my fees here. Yep. And so I think you just owe yourself and your practice from a fiduciary duty kind of to uncover those fees and look at things. Yeah, yep. totally. Totally. So can you guys, before we sign off, first of all, I can't thank you guys enough for taking time because uh, I'm working today. Uh, Greg's sitting on a porch with a nice tea and Peter's at his, his second home. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so somebody's got to make the donuts, right? Somebody's got somebody's to be putting out content. Into the time world. to make the donuts, Mark. Time <laughs> so to make the I, donuts. I, I can't thank you guys enough for, for being on with me today. Can you guys share with us First of all, you guys got to make sure that you are tuning in to the Bulletproof Podcast, one of my favorite dental podcasts, and I'm not just saying that, because of the, the, the dichotomy, because of the two uh, opposing viewpoints, but both super successful people in our profession, guys, See, and they have great, great guests. So make sure that you tune into the Bulletproof Dental Podcast, but let's give everybody the opportunity to, to grab a copy of your book, guys. What's the easiest way to do that? Oh, you know, you can just go to Amazon, I think is the easiest way you can order it direct, but just go to Amazon and type uh, bulletproof. Do you have to type in dental practice, Craig? Or just uh, no, bulletproof you can either book? put in Bolden or Spodak or bulletproof. That, put in bulletproof dental practice book or bulletproof practice book. Or, or either one of our last, either one of our last names. You see, we, you can tell we're not trying to generate too many sales from this, right? Can't you? Because we should have had like a, a URL shortener. Just go to bulletproofbook.com and it'll forward you yeah. there. But like neither one of us, neither one of us have that going on. So uh, well, every, everyone's versed at searching for what they need on Amazon at this point in time. So yeah. um, you will find it on Amazon. That's the cool thing it. is when you guys start to get your, I, you probably have already started to get the, the, um, the, the statements from Amazon. So they, they take out their fee and then you get your little fee. You guys, you guys are probably rolling in it, right? My $6 and 52 cent, uh, uh, royalty check that I get per book. Holy cow. That is a, uh, wait, you get, you get $6. That's $6 a lot. We $6 get like $52 book sold. We get four. No, we per book. Get you get four. You know, it, you yeah. must have got grandfathered in since you've been such an author for so long. <laughs> $6.52. The cool thing is that when, when they roll in and they're from like different countries, you'll get like euros that are converted to dollars and it shows you kind of where oh, by, really? the, by, the, by the denominations that you get, where in the world they're coming from. So that's actually pretty cool. 
But uh, yeah, all, of our, all of ours are coming from Atlanta, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. A couple yeah. out of them already hey, hey, Mark, I'm bound to be a bestseller whether I have to pay that way or not. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole idea, right? That's why you have all these properties because you have pallets and books in your, yeah. your multiple properties. I told yeah. you there was some ego no, component to it, right? All kidding aside, I got to do the shameless plug. We, we got copies sent to us and uh, – Tim and Peter's office said you have to send them back because Amazon couldn't fulfill them. So that's cool. It was oh, cool. We awesome. were the bestseller for a minute there on Amazon, which is great. So well, I think it was like literally it. one one minute. I think okay, okay, all good, man. Craig so got the screenshot. Not- Craig got the screenshot grab. So it's we're all good, Mark. You know what that means though for for um, the second edition, which is what I did. So the second edition, you get to stamp it Amazon number oh. one, and you get that ribbon, and you, that that is something nobody can ever take away. Even if you nice. had that that moniker for one hour, you will forever be a number one Amazon. Yeah, well, one hour might have been pushing it. But. And take a guess who's going to be writing the forward to the second edition? Ah, <laughs> I hope me. Uh, I would like you too, but we, uh, uh, well, actually, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll see our choices. But uh, how about the big you? man himself told me he's like, oh, you didn't tell me you wrote a book. Blah 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 blah. Uh, he's talking about Tony. Robbins. Tony Robbins, baby. Uh, so cool. Tom's a gainer. There is a little bit of a, a surprise for the summit. Um, Tom was just at Tony's house filming some video, and there might be a, a little surprise for those attendees at the Demo Success Summit from the big man himself. No way. Um, so yeah, it might be good for so, you, dude. There, there might be, there may or may not be. Yeah, that, don't 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 overpromise and and underdeliver, yeah. right? But but just uh, could, it could be that'd be awesome, Mark. It could be. Congratulations, could be that's cool. Fun. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. I just love hanging out with you. You enjoy the rest of your day in your um in your second home, Peter, and uh, on the deck of your beautiful house in uh, Delray Beach. There, uh, Craig's Bodak. Airbnb, bro. Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jeds. Thank you guys so much. I can't thank you enough for being here. We'll talk to you all very soon. Thanks, Ladies Mark. And gentlemen, Mark. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Peter Bolden, Dr. Craig Spoda. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. If you got any value or insight from today's episode, it massively helps us create awareness if you would take five seconds and leave us a review in iTunes. Also, stay in touch with our updates and such by just texting the word bulletproof, all one word, to 345-345. We promise not to bombard you with spam texts or anything, but it will help update you on special opportunities for our listeners, as well as even info on the upcoming Bulletproof Summit 2019. Again, that's the word bulletproof to 345-345. Thanks so much, y'all. Have a great day.